And we're reading 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 13. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Endure hardship like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not con- he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crop. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David, This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, uh, good morning. And uh, please do keep uh, your Bibles or keep a finger in your Bible or leave it open on uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. That's what we're going to be looking at today. Shall I pray? And then uh, let's take a look at this together. Father God, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you're good to us. And we thank you that the Christian race, the Christian life, is a good life, a good race. But we pray that you'd encourage us in it this morning. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, um, I quite enjoy going to the gym. Uh, I say that because I know that some people see it as as something perhaps they should do, and they do it as a drudge, but uh, I find it quite fun, and particularly fun if you go with someone else. Uh, So one of my favorite gym-going times was uh, just after university. I was working at um, the other St. Helens on the other side of the city, and uh, I used to go with one of the student workers. And uh, we'd go and we'd kind of, you know, do weights and that sort of thing. And uh, we used to sort of, you know, shout the kind of standard phrases at one another. Uh, No pain no gain, probably one that you've heard before, Um, push the power, uh, max the envelope, Uh, if you know where that comes from, uh, catch me afterwards. Um, Jamie, uh, the guy that I I went with, uh, he used to have this other one where he'd say to himself, are you a man or a mouse? Are you a man or a mouse? Are you a man or a mouse? I'm a man, I'm a man, I'm a man. And then he'd try and lift his weight. Who knows if it helped, but uh, it made the experience more fun, possibly a bit more tolerable. Now, Possibly he did. I can't imagine the Apostle Paul um, at the gym shouting, uh, push the power at, uh, you know, Peter or that sort of thing. But he would have approved that principle because the principle of all of those things is right. What you're going through now might not be enjoyable, but there's a reason that you're doing it. There's a gain that's coming later, and that's why you're here. No pain, no gain. No difficulty, no 
benefits. And read with me um, again chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 3 to 6 and see if you can see that principle at work here. Chapter 2, verse 3. Paul writes, Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So that's his kind of little heading over these three examples that he goes on to give. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Three tough callings that Paul uses to illustrate, uh, to encourage Timothy in the toughness of ministry. You see, the faithful Christian life takes effort and discipline, but it is worth it. The faithful Christian life takes effort and discipline, but it's worth it. See, the soldier, he thinks about the one that he's trying to please, his commanding officer. The athlete thinks about the crown, or in their day, the, the wreath, or in our day, the medal. And the farmer thinks about the harvest. And if each of them forgot about those things, they might forget about the difficulty. They might, not, might instead focus on the difficulty they're going through and think, why am I bothering and give up? They need to focus on the future goal in order to keep going. And then in verse 7, after these three examples, Paul says this, verse 7, reflect on what I am saying for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Now, the danger is that we separate those two ideas. We say, okay, is it that God reveals it to me, or is it that I have to think about it and work it out for myself? And Paul says, no, it's always both. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. So we can't expect to work out God's truth by ourselves. But nor should we just sit there, clear our minds, and expect God to zap the required knowledge into our brains. It is that we should sit there with our Bibles open in front of us, read carefully, think carefully, but acknowledge that ultimately any understanding that we receive is because God has opened our eyes to see it. And so we must pray. We must think and we must pray. We must reflect, but also recognize that it is God who gives us understanding. And it's not just a random nugget. Paul doesn't think, well, here's a convenient place just to drop this truth in here. It is a general principle. But he wants us to think over these things. So we're going to look at them in turn, the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer, and think about what each can teach us. We want to say, what do these examples mean for us? What are the sacrifices that we might have to make to train ourselves for godliness? What are the sacrifices we might have to make to spend enough time in God's Word and enough time in prayer? What are the sacrifices we might have to make to lead and teach our families, if we have one, faithfully? What are the sacrifices we might have to make to persevere to the end, think and pray? And if you're not a Christian here this morning, then you're not off the hook, and the question will be slightly different. But I've got some different thinking. Imagine how your life might need to change if you did commit to Christ. And perhaps there's something very specific you might need to put aside in order to follow him. But the question is, could there be anything in this life valuable enough 
that it would be worth seeking after that, pursuing that, even achieving it, if it then meant missing out on eternal life. If you were here last week, you'll have seen from chapter 1, verse 1, that Paul's motivation to Timothy through this whole book is the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, eternal life. That is what is on the line. So let's begin looking at these guys. The the first one, the soldier. The soldier teaches us that we need to avoid distraction. So verse 4 again. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. See, the soldier, he doesn't set up a market stall. He doesn't plant an ornamental garden, doesn't attempt to master cross-stitch. He focuses on training and fighting because his goal is to please the one who enlisted him. Now, in Paul's day in Roman times, we mustn't think that these were conscripted soldiers. They were actually volunteers. You went into the army as a decent career. If you did well, there were good prospects for advancement. And so what is on the line for the soldier who pleases his commanding officer is honor and glory and promotion. And so if the soldier were to lower his eyes from that and just look around him and go, my goodness, this being a soldier's hard work. Do you know what? I think I will set up that little vineyard near Corinth. I will set up that little pottery shop in Ephesus or a nice little wine business in the suburbs of Rome. Well, he's not going to please his commanding officer, is he? And he's going to miss out on the promotion and the advancement that is there for him. Well, who enlists the Christian? Who is our commanding officer? Our commanding officer is Jesus. He is our king. He is our leader. And we want to please him, not in order to earn salvation. If we are his, if we have become Christians, then we're already in his army. We're already following him. We already belong to him. But in order to please him now that we are Christians, what will that look like? Well, it might mean avoiding some of the pleasures and the comforts of this life. And Paul is not speaking primarily here of sins, but of potentially neutral things that have the risk of distracting us from the Christian life. Now, I don't know how relevant this is uh, to all of us, but I think of a friend of a friend um, who was a fantastic breakdancer. And for them, they realized that as a Christian, that had become an idol, that it took up so much of their time and so much of their effort and so much of their emotional worth that they realized they needed to pull back from that and free focus on living for Christ. Think of my friend Lindsay. Uh, She worked at Weber Shandwick, a large PR firm over in the city. It's fine to work there, but she realized she was working such long hours and getting so exhausted that she didn't have time to live out her Christian life, that she would rarely get to church, that she struggled to read her Bible, that she struggled to spend time with Christians who would encourage her to keep going, and so she changed a job. I think of another friend, Kerry, who, when she became a Christian, before she became a Christian, alcohol for her had always been about getting drunk, always been about that lifestyle. And although she realizes that the Bible says you can drink in moderation, that for her, alcohol was too much of a temptation, and so she decided not to drink at all. Now, those are all things you can do. You can break dance if you want. I wouldn't recommend it unless you're good um, because you're likely to break some limbs. Um, You can work at a PR firm and you can drink in moderation. All those things, fine to do as a Christian. But those guys realized that for them, it was too much of a distraction. And so they refocused on their main goal of living to please Jesus. 
What are the things in our lives that distract us from living for, pleasing our commanding officer? Maybe neutral things, but things that just take up that bit too much time. I don't know how many people spend time on Facebook. For a lot of people, that's a huge time sink. Or perhaps the BBC News website is more your thing. Or endless home improvements, just trying to get it just right. Or endlessly getting the garden just perfect. Perhaps too much time at the gym, too much time reading the newspaper, too much time watching television. Maybe none of those things, but maybe something else. And each of those things can be very fine to do in moderation. Facebook's a useful tool. We can learn some good stuff from television or the newspapers. But if they take up so much of our time that we're too busy to spend time in God's Word, too busy to pray, too busy to spend time with our church family outside of once a week on a Sunday, too busy to share our lives with friends who aren't Christians because we love them and because we want to share Christ with them, then maybe we need to reassess and say, how can I better please my commanding officer? The faithful Christian life can take effort and discipline, but it is worth it. Well, the soldier then, don't be distracted. The athlete, well, the athlete teaches us, don't avoid the hard truths. Look with me at verse 5 again. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. You see, the athlete knows that if he cheats and gets found out, then he'll be disqualified. He will not receive the prize. And so knowing that, he trains accordingly. He trains in order to be able to win within the rules. He gets up early, he trains hard, and he eats the right kinds of foods. But if the athlete were to forget that the crown goes only to the one who competes, Properly, he might be tempted to cheat. And he might be tempted to get up a bit later in the morning, not train as hard, and eat pizza and drink too much beer. What is our goal? What is our crown? What is our prize? Well, we are aiming to make it to the end of the race, still trusting. And then in chapter 4, Paul tells us that we will, if we do so, we will receive the crown of righteousness. A crown of righteousness given to us by the Lord Jesus. What is cheating then for the Christian? Well, what is our rule book? This is our rule book, God's Word. This is how we are to live out the Christian life. To cheat then would be to ignore or deny or conveniently overlook the bits of the Bible that we don't like. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul writes to Timothy, watch your life and your doctrine closely, for by doing so you will save yourself. It is Timothy's life and his doctrine, how he lives and how he believes, and the same for us that is important, because both those things will always intermingle. What we believe will flow into how we live, and how we live will flow into what we believe. What would be cheating in the Christian life? It would be cutting out the awkward bits the difficult bits of the gospel, perhaps when we tell it to others, overlooking the bits we think they might not like. It might mean conveniently ignoring the bits that we don't like in our own lives. So overlooking what God says about pride, maybe, or arrogance, or money, or sex, or alcohol, or the fact that we need to forgive others. And if we think 
uh, disqualification. That could never be me. Well, turn back with me to 1 Corinthians, and we might be surprised. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 9, page 1150. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Because here, even Paul says that he recognizes there was a risk of disqualification even for him, even for the Apostle Paul. This is 1, Timothy, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, page 1150, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training because they know they can't cheat their way through. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever, the crown of righteousness. Therefore, Paul writes, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. Even Paul, even the great Apostle Paul, recognized that if he shrunk back from the mission that he'd been given, if he began to ignore bits here and there from what God had said, then there was a risk of ending up on that downward spiral away from Christ so that on the last day he might hear Jesus say, disqualified. And so he says, I beat my body and I make it my slave. That is discipline, effort, concern to live for Christ. What might it be for us? What might we be tempted to miss out, to overlook? Because even if it begins with overlooking a difficult bit when telling the gospel to someone else, well, what we tell others and what we believe ourselves will invariably come together before long? Or what are we ignoring from God's Word in the way that we live our lives? Because again, what we allow to let slip in the way that we live will always inevitably affect what we believe. If you're not a Christian here, well, what is it about the Christian message that you find difficult? Because I want to say explore it. Talk to someone here. Talk to me, talk to Steve. Ask for a recommendation for a book that addresses that. There will be a good Christian book that addresses that. Because again, if the promise of eternal life is at stake, then it's worth any effort, any intellectual wrestling to get to the truth. Reflect on these things. The faithful Christian life takes effort and discipline, but it's worth it. The soldier, don't be distracted. The athlete, don't avoid the hard truths. And then lastly, the farmer, don't give up when it's tough. Well, the hardworking farmer, he gets up early in the rain and in the sun. He gets up early in December when it's dark and in June when it's light, when the mornings are, are lovely and when they're less so, to plough the seed and to tend his crops. The hardworking farmer, Paul Wright, should be the first to receive a share of the crops. But if the hardworking farmer were to forget that the goal is the crops coming in the future, then he might forget about the harvest and when it comes to harvest time, there'll be nothing for him to receive. And this reminds us that sometimes the Christian life can just be a hard slog. 
Sometimes it's easy and joyful and it all seems, you know, happy living the Christian life. And sometimes it just seems like hard work. And God doesn't deny that. Paul is clear about it here, carving out the time week by week to be at church, when sometimes we'd rather stay in bed or go shopping or go out for coffee. Carving out the time day by day to read the Bible and pray. For those who have children, preparing for and leading family Bible time. For those who are married, reading the Bible and praying together. For those who are single, if you live with Christians, then perhaps reading the Bible and encouraging them or meeting up with friends to do the same. So much easier just to watch TV or read the paper or sit on a sofa staring into space. It can be hard work. It can be discipline to live the Christian life. Because like the farmer, if we forget the goal of the harvest, then we might stop working. And I think here Paul is changing the emphasis slightly away from ourselves towards a harvest from others. In verse 10, Paul will say, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So we're working for a harvest of righteousness, of fruit in ourselves, but also to see it in others. And here, I, have a, I, I think of, um, and I've used this illustration before, it's not just because I'm here at St. Helens, but some of you may know Eddie. He would normally um, have sat there. Uh, he's not been coming as much recently because he's um, found it hard to get along in his older age. Um, Eddie and I used to go to the same church, and uh, he became a Christian aged 68. And he'd come to our church for over a year. He'd come on Sundays, he'd come to Bible studies. He came for over a year, and then, um, what was it, about 15 months into his time with us, he became a Christian. And uh, I was leading his Bible study group at the time, and it was when I was working in the city, working fairly long hours. And I remember one night, I'd come home, and it was the night before the Bible study. And I was still there, probably about 10 o'clock at night, writing this Bible study, just thinking, oh, I'd rather go to bed, I'm tired, I'd rather not be kind of working my brain like this after a long day at work. And at about 10 o'clock, Eddie called. I thought, you know, people don't normally get called this late in the evening. And um, Eddie, if you know him, very soft voice. And he said, hello, Andrew. I've just had my first ever evangelistic conversation. And he just had his first ever conversation with a non-Christian about Jesus in Iceland, in the, 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 the shop, not the country, um, in the frozen meals aisle, talking about vegetarian meals with a Muslim lady. And somehow he'd taken the conversation around to Jesus, and he was so excited. And I remember getting off the phone, and I got down on my knees, and, and after you know, thanking God for that wonderful conversation that Eddie had had, I thanked God for the reminder, this is why we're doing this. Just at the moment, I was questioning, is it really worth it? Is this hard work really worth it? God to give me a solid reminder. That is the kind of harvest that we're working for. When ministry seems like hard work, when living as a Christian yourself seems like hard work, when encouraging others in the Christian life seems hard work, we need to cast our minds forward to the harvest. Imagine your children in years to come, or that friend that you meet up with to read the Bible, or that person you know who's long-term unemployed that you go around to encourage once a week. Imagine how they might have grown in five years' time, in 10 years' time, in 50 years' time, or imagine them in a hundred years' time or a thousand years' time, having got to the end of the race and then seeing their smiling faces in heaven, 
with the, having received the crown of righteousness from the Lord Jesus. That is what we're working for. That is the harvest. The faithful Christian life can take effort and discipline, but it's worth it. Don't be distracted. Don't avoid the hard truths. Don't give up when it's tough. And this is not an arbitrary way of life dreamt up by Paul. Chapter 2, verse 8, Paul says, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. And I think his point there is, remember King David, how much he suffered before he received the crown. Remember Jesus, how much he suffered before he receives, received his crown at his resurrection. And then Paul goes on to speak of his own sufferings. This is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. Even now, as he writes, Paul suffers, but he is looking forward to chapter 4, the crown of righteousness that he will receive. Hard work, effort, discipline, suffering now for a crown that is guaranteed. Just as in each of Paul's examples, the reward doesn't come until later. The soldier doesn't get the Victoria Cross on the battlefield, they get it afterwards. The athlete doesn't get the medal halfway through the race, they get it at the end. The farmer has to wait until harvest time for the crops. We keep looking to that final day. Chapter 1, verse 1 again, it is the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus that is coming in the future. That is what we look to. As we finish, I'll read verses 11 to 13. Paul writes this, here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with Jesus, we will also live with him. If we endure like a soldier, like an athlete, like a farmer, we will also reign with him. But if we disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful. He cannot disown himself. You see, the faithful Christian life may take effort and discipline, but there is a crown waiting if we make it to the end. Let's pray that we would. Father God, we thank you that with you there is no deceit. You don't tell us that the Christian life will be all sunshine and roses. You tell us that it will be hard. We can see that it was hard for your faithful servants, for David, for Paul. And we see it even in the life of the Lord Jesus, the man of sorrows, but who has been exalted to the highest place and who promises to give us a crown of righteousness if we are faithful to the end. Please keep us faithful. In his name we pray. Amen.